Isn't it good to declare that truth, hey? God is faithful in all seasons, even when there is change. It's a good thing. Please have a seat this morning. Welcome again to those visiting. Welcome again those online. After a great Sunday last week, our celebration Sunday, um, uh, we're kicking back into the series that we've been doing for a few weeks now, heading into Christmas. And um, I don't know about you, but if you were here last week for Celebration Sunday, two real highlights for me. One, I loved the way Roy got up and read Scripture. That was awesome. And what Zach shared about him wanting to be baptised was just beautiful. So if you missed out on that, you missed out on that. But um, yeah, it was good to celebrate what God's been doing with us this year. So we are kicking back into our series our series on Christ, mission and the church, which we're saying our Christology informs our missiology, which in turn determines our ecclesiology, or to put it a bit simply, we're following Jesus on mission together. And we have unpacked already the stuff around Christology, the stuff around Christ, Jesus, and we, we unpack that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the King, and that the King has a kingdom. And we, we unpacked what it means to, to push into those things and for those things to be a reality. If you haven't seen those, can I encourage you, get onto our podcast or get, get onto our YouTube page and, and check those out because it helps make sense of what's come after. And then we pushed into the missiology part, the stuff around mission, and we, un, uh, and we understood that the kingdom reality, there's two pillars that hold evidence, the reality that the kingdom of God is there is shalom, is this idea of peace and reconciliation. And we finished the missiology part with this idea that we are all ministers of reconciliation. That's the call we have on our lives as followers of Jesus. And so today we're moving into the ecclesiology part. But to understand this, we have to keep referring to... And the definition of this, and this the, the Greek term for this and the way it was used in society precedes the time of Jesus by, by centuries. And, and the Greeks would understand this idea of ecclesia and, and the best definition is it's a, it's a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public space or an assembly in public. And so as towns and cities in the Greek Empire and then the Greco-Roman world, they would, they would call an ecclesia so the men it was would be called out of their homes into the public square where they would discuss something or vote on something or, or that sort of way forward. And so because the New Testament was written in Greek, we use the word ecclesia quite often. In fact, it's found in the New Testament over a hundred times and about 98% of those times when the word ecclesia is used, it is translated to the word church. So the church is those who are called out from their homes into the public space. That would be a literal definition. The church are those who are called out from their homes into the public space. So, mission, we understood that to be on mission is to be sent by God, sent by Jesus into the public space. That is what the church's role is. The church has been sent 
on mission by God, by Jesus, into the public space. The church was never meant to, should never be, confined into little spaces where we become a little community of, of same-thinking people that the people in the public around us never have access to or know about or, or are influenced by. That's not the picture. But in some ways, that's sort of how the church has moved through times. So we need to understand what God is doing in this space. The church is sent. We've just unpacked John's Gospel over 15 months before we did this series. I don't know if you picked up on it, but Jesus referred to himself over and over and over throughout John's Gospel that he was sent. Sent by the Father. In fact, over 40 times, Jesus says in John's Gospel alone that he was sent. And then we finish in John 20, verse 21, where Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, so I'm now sending you. And we've got to pay attention to that. The church is sent on mission by Jesus. We can't miss that, we can't ignore that. And so to be missional means that a church realises that it exists to join Jesus in God's mission through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the picture we get through Scripture. So we have to come to see that mission is not merely an activity of the church. I've always thought that. Having spent decades in the church, I always thought that those who go on mission or those who are missionaries, and it usually meant leaving Australia and going to another country somewhere, they are the special ones, they are the chosen ones, they are the ones that God can use particularly, but for the rest of us, we'll just keep doing church, thanks very much. That was my impression for a long time. Mission is not merely an activity for the church. Mission is the result of God's initiative, rooted in God's purposes to restore and heal all of creation. Mission means sending. And it is central to the biblical theme that runs right through human history. In fact, there's evidence in the whole canon of Scripture that God, Father, Son, Spirit, is a sending God. The Father sends the Son into the world. The Father and the Son send the Spirit into the world. The Father, the Son and the Spirit send the disciples, the church, into the world. God is a sending God who has mission at the heart of who He is and what He's doing. But let's zoom out for a little bit. Let, let's, let's sort of go up to 10,000 feet and have a big big view of the, the picture of Scripture. And many people, in a broad brushstroke, you may have heard this um, explanation, that the narrative that runs through the Bible can be summarised this way. We have creation, so four elements, creation, the fall, redemption, and then our future hope. Creation, it begins with the God who purposely creates and then we have the fall, and so the story, the narrative that runs through Scripture, it moves on to this conflict that arises, and the problem generated by human beings rebelling against God's good purpose. We call that the fall. 
And then there's redemption. And so most of what we see in Scripture is this redemptive story playing out in human history. It's the narrative of the journey in the story of God's redemptive purposes being worked out with human beings across the world. And then there's a future hope. We know when we get to Revelation, there's this picture, there's this, there's this hope of, of the coming future where the new creation will be a reality and the renewal of all things. So with that picture in mind of what God has done and is doing in his creation, we can clearly see that his mission involves humanity. His mission, as we go through the story, involves the nation of Israel. His mission involves the person, Jesus Christ. And his mission involves the church. That's really clear as we journey through the the complete picture of Scripture. So now I think we need to take note of something. It is because God has sent us that we gather in communities of faith. We've got to put the horse before the cart, not the other way around. It is because God has sent us that we gather as communities of faith. Where the gospel is preached where God is worshipped, where we minister to one another, where we celebrate the sacraments like communion and baptism, and then people are sent out to join God in his mission in their day-to-day lives. The reason we gather is because we are a sent people. Many of us have grown up and experienced the reason we gather is to express our Christian faith and then the rest of the week we're just like everybody else. Now again, I won't speak for you, I'll speak for me. I spent many times as a self-professing Christian where that's what life looked like. I'd gather on a Sunday, express my Christian faith with other like-minded people and then my life for the rest of the week looked no different to anybody else's who didn't know Jesus. I think too many of us have had that sort of experience. You may have noticed even since we've come out of COVID, even the language we're using has changed. We're not saying we're holding a church service, we're having a a gathering, the church is gathering. Now, all analogies fall apart at some point and I've used this analogy before. And if you're not sports-minded, I am sorry, but as an ex-PE teacher, love sport. But the, the picture of the coach with the team, either before the game starts or at half time, The coach gets the team together and says, hey, I want to remind you of what we're doing today. I want to remind you of your role and your job. And when everyone does their role and their job and we do that together, the team is going to go well. We're going to achieve the things that we're trying to achieve. Win the game. And so you get together and the coach is encouraging And we'll give a bit of a talk and remind people about some of the truths and some of the skills that they learned and how to implement them and when to employ them. And then the coach will step back and the players will talk to one another and encourage one another and remind one another of they can do this. And and if if you fail, I'm with you in it. Don't worry, I'll pick you up and I'll help you. And I love that picture. 
It works for me, might not work for you. But it works for me because it, it feels like that, that time when the coach and the team are together is not the time when they're playing the game. They do that so they can go and play the game well. Now, all analogies fall apart at some point. But the gathering of the church on a Sunday, for example, is so that we can just realign ourselves to what's the purpose, what's the game plan, what are we about? What are we doing? What's my role? How do I do that? Who's helping me with that? How am I equipped? What do I need to learn? What skills do I need to, to, to brush up on? Knowing that the Holy Spirit is with me, knowing that I've got brothers and sisters with me, knowing that we're doing this together but we're out there playing the game. And what's the game? The game is we're joining Jesus on his mission in the world. Take what you can from that. Might work, it might not work. But God has sent us and because he has sent us, we gather together as faith communities. The activities that we do in a church gathering are designed to glorify God, realign us to who God is and what he's doing. They're designed to strengthen us in our discipleship, nourish God's people as we do this together, but understanding that each of us has a role to play in the place God has, has placed us, in our society, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our neighbourhoods, you name it. It's not that the church has a mission, but rather the mission of God in this world has a church. We, the church, join Jesus in his mission. We join him in what he's already doing in the world. I've been reading a number of books around this over the past several years, but this one I keep coming back to. It's a it's a book by an author, Christopher Wright, and it's called The Mission of God. And there's a part where he says this. He says, the mission of God, so fundamentally our mission, if it's biblically informed and validated, means our committed participation as God's people, at God's invitation and command, in God's own mission, within the history of God's world for the redemption of God's creation. See how it's all about God, it's not about us? I love that. And then the church's task in the world is to partner with God as he establishes shalom and brings his reign and rule to bear on the peoples and the places of the earth. Now, I'd recommend this book. It's about that thick. But really good to, to, to take the, the major theme that runs through Scripture and to present it in a way that says, this is what the church is called to be about. That we are partnering with God in what he is doing in the world. And he is a God who is ascending God and he is a God who is on mission. Now that mission might be in the church, through the church, beyond the church, but ultimately what we're called to do is be obedient to Jesus in his call to be part of it. And we each have a responsibility to respond to that, that invitation. What did Jesus say about all this? As we look through... The Gospels, particularly in early into Acts, I just want to share a few passages of Scripture with you. This is after Jesus has resurrected from the dead and he's walking with a couple of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And Luke captures this scene and we see, 
This is Jesus. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. I love how Jesus is referring to the scripture of the Old Testament because it's part of the grand narrative. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. There's a prayer for us. Pray for the Holy Spirit to open our mind to understand the scriptures. If you don't do that regularly, can I encourage you to do that? And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Remember the word repent means change the way you think. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Why did they need to stay until they were filled by the Holy Spirit? Because they needed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be on the mission that Jesus was calling them to be on. In John's Gospel, this will be familiar to us because we spent a lot of time looking at it. He had risen from the dead again at this point, John chapter 20. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. In Matthew's Gospel, we'll be familiar with this one as well. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee and going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them even doubted. I love how that's included. Then Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then Luke reminds us when he writes the start of the book of Acts, Jesus again talking, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, through Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. As Jesus finished his time of ministry, he spent considerable effort saying to those who were with him, his disciples, who would then birth the church and carry it forward and grow it, he said, hey, the thing I've been doing, I'm passing the baton to you. The mantle is now yours. You are going to continue with the very thing I've been doing. And what I've been doing, I've been demonstrating the reality of the kingdom of God is now available, and I've been demonstrating that God has already, already done what's required to bring people back into relationship. Now take the message and go and share it with people. That is what your life's work is now about. And that's the birth of the church, we see that. Understanding what God is doing in his world, understanding what Jesus did in his ministry and his teaching, understanding why the Holy Spirit was sent, 
understanding that obedience to Jesus' commands and instructions is essential, all of these elements combined shed light on who and what the church should be. Our ecclesiology, our understanding of the gathered church, our understanding of the church needs to be shaped by the narratives that flow through Scripture, not through human tradition, not through institutional preferences, not through habits that we pick up and carry. The church and how it functions needs to be informed by Scripture. The mission of God in his world has a church. It has a family of believers. It has a body. It has a collection of those who have been called out, sent into the world, ministers of reconciliation, agents of shalom. This is the picture of the church. God is on a mission to reconcile the whole world back to himself. That is what God is doing. Scripture is clear on that. And God calls the church to join him in doing that. That is why the church exists, to do the things God is already working at in the world to accomplish his goals and purposes. How spectacular is that, that we get invited into the very thing that God is all about? He can do it without us. He doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us in that. When you stop and consider that for a moment, that, that is mind-blowing, that God Almighty wants you and I to be part of what he is doing in his world to bring all things back to himself. That's the purpose of the church. This is who we are, according to Scripture. Let me pray for us. Father God, as we just consider trying to get our heads around who you are and what you're doing and, and how you've presented us with the written word, the Scriptures that, that are about you and about you and your, your connection, your, your, the way you relate to humanity. I just ask you will bring fresh revelation to each of us about what you're up to, about how you want us to be involved in that with you, that we are called to do that together as the church. That, that image you give that, you know, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a bowl. The church is designed to be representing you in this world. We gather together as the church so that we can align ourselves with you and go and be the people you call us to be. Would you help us do that? Would your spirit empower us, motivate us, teach us, lead us 
so that we can be the people you've always seen us to be and we can see this world come to that point of reconciliation and redemption and renewal which is part of your good and perfect plan. Would you help us in that? Amen.